Our first reading is from the first book of Kings, chapter 8. Now, as Solomon finished offering all this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had knelt with his hands outstretched towards heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. Not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine, with which I have pleaded before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, and may he maintain the cause of his servant, and may the cause of his people in the cause of his people Israel, as each day requires that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you are able, please rise for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 19. And behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear a false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, 
all things are possible. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sacrificing together is our theme for today. Over in our sanctuary, we have a lot of stained glass windows around the top. And a new uh, worshiper came to me and they said, is there, a, is there a place where all those are explained, what each of those different ones are? And, and I said, yeah, I need to find it. And I didn't have time this week to find it. And I didn't have time to find this particular picture. But I want to point out one of the stained glass that we have in our sanctuary. And it's very similar to this. It's a pelican. And this is a picture of sacrifice because pelicans, it's thought to be that pelicans, if they are starving and they have young, that they will take from their own flesh to feed their young. It's an amazing image image of sacrifice, of what a mother is willing to do to take care of her young. And it's been adopted by the church as a picture of what God has done for his own children for you and for me. Today, as we think about sacrifice, I want to say to you that sacrifice is at the heart of the kingdom of God. And I I would go so far as to say that, that if you don't understand sacrifice, then it's impossible to understand our God. It is through sacrifice that we see the kingdom of God. We've seen as we move through this series in our church of, of moving forward together that God has called us to be in ministry. I just came from, um, from Phoenix. I came in late last night, 12.30 a.m. Uh, I got in last night. It was a late night. I flew out in from Phoenix. I was out in Best Practices, which is a conference that gets together over 2,000 church workers and lay people that can make it to Phoenix in February. They're suffering for God out in Phoenix in February. Actually, it was like 28, 30 degrees in the mornings. It was chilly out there. It still gets cold in the desert. But the church is alive and active. And there's, there's, that's all from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. That's kind of our tribe, our denomination. And each one is trying to find out how can they better be in ministry in the place that God has called them. And that's what we're doing as a church through this sermon series is, is seeing what is God calling us to do specifically here at Carmel with our site here. And we have three other sites around We're seeing what is God calling us to do. And last week we were talking about serving together. And this week we look at sacrificing together. And as I was exploring this theme of sacrifice in scripture, it became clear to me that sacrifice is really at the heart of the kingdom of God. I mean, sacrifice and giving of oneself are synonymous. And in that word sacrifice, we begin to capture the essence of of what it means to be a part of the people of God and, and what it means to be church to gather together for worship. I mean, let's be honest. There's lots of different things that you could be doing on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. You could be going out and doing lots of other things. But what is it that would make you come here to be a part of this gathering today instead of going somewhere else? What is church all about? Why are we a part of what's going on here as we're moving forward together as a church? I mean, why are we investing in this place? And so in this series, we're discussing the vision that we have for CLC, what we believe that God is doing for us as as we move together. And so today, we look at sacrifice. 
Jesus spent a lot of his teaching um, telling stories. It was just kind of the way that, that he went about talking about the kingdom of God. He didn't use the word church because church wasn't even around at the time, and, and I'm not sure it fully sums up what he was trying to talk about. But the idea of the kingdom of God is here. That he says the kingdom of God is like. And so he would tell stories and parables. He didn't, he didn't give like a list of things. The kingdom of God makes sure they have this and this. And he didn't um, give do's and don'ts in the kingdom, but he told stories. The kingdom of God is like. And so when his disciples asked what the parables mean, he would go in and, and describe a little bit further what was going on in the kingdom of God. He told 38 different parables that we have in the New Testament. And through these stories, he's introducing a reality that was coming in the kingdom. Through these, we see what God is like and how he wants his people to be. Of all the 38 parables, do you know what the most common theme is in those parables? The most dominant theme in the kingdom of God When Jesus reveals the kingdom through story 16 different times, it's through describing of giving oneself sacrificially and generously. Almost half of Jesus' teachings in the parables is dealing with how a person deals with their stuff, deals with what God has given to them and their possessions and whether a person is sacrificial in generosity or not. We remember the story of the Good Samaritan the prodigal son, the lost coin, the hidden treasure, and so on. And it's clear from Jesus' teaching that where the kingdom of God is, you'll find sacrifice and generosity. Jesus' thought continues on throughout the New Testament in the writings of Paul, and it's evident from our second reading that we had for today from 2 Corinthians. Just to give you some background, Paul is writing about a church. He's writing to a church in Corinth, and he's encouraging them to understand the stuff that they have and how to deal with it. And he's encouraging them to to be sacrificial and generous in their giving by telling them about another group of Christians, the Macedonians. And in chapter 8 and 9, he tells them about how they had gone over and above to give, over and above what Paul had expected, especially because of their financial situation. You see, the Macedonians were at one time a thriving community, But when the Romans came in, they took away much of their livelihood and and they were broke. But they were still sacrificial and generous in their giving. And Paul is using them to an example to the Corinthians to say, this group gets it. I want you to look at how they are handling their situation. They were an example of where the kingdom of God was alive and active, demonstrated through sacrifice. So you came to church today and I know some of you are visitors today and you're, you're here and you're like, I can't believe I came on this day. When they're talking about generosity and giving, I picked the wrong day to go to church. And when you hear us talking about sacrifice and generosity, you may think, all right, I guess the church is getting ready for a capital campaign and here it comes. It's the message about giving and stewardship and all that. And at first glance, when we look at the scripture, scriptures that I mentioned about Jesus giving and the parables and possessions and treasures and what Paul is talking about with another church, we can automatically check out and say, okay, pastor, I know where you're going. I give enough. I'm good. But I have some good news for you today that this is not that sermon. I'm here to talk to you about sacrifice and generosity like you could never imagine 
and to be honest, like you could never pull off. Any message that talks about sacrifice and generosity that begins and ends with you and I, it's gonna fall flat on its face. You see, because of sin, we can never be perfect in our giving. We can never be perfect in our sacrifice. It's our own nature to want more, and it goes against our own corrupted, sinful nature to give away anything. When you think of Adam and Eve, they were given everything in the Garden of Eden. They could, they could take anything they wanted except one thing. Guess what they wanted? They wanted the one thing. They had everything. It shows our own sinful nature that, that we never have enough. You see, to understand sacrifice and generosity, we can't look at ourselves. We have to look somewhere else. I believe our church is a great place of extreme sacrifice and generosity. It's, it's generous with the way that we go into our community with things like our community garden and the Little Timmy Project I mentioned and Friendship Saturdays and, and Bible studies and our international friends, our mission trips, our multiple sites, and all of the things that individuals do that we don't even hear about. Our people are sacrificial and generous with their gifts. And our congregation, our tithes and offerings and all of our mission work, it goes far beyond normal congregations. But again, if we are to understand real sacrifice and generosity, we have to look somewhere else. It's not about us. You see, to understand real generosity, we must look to the source of everything, to our God and to him alone. You see, real sacrifice and real generosity is seen in our God. And the foundation of our church is built on Jesus Christ, on his death and his resurrection. You see, he is the cornerstone. It was his sacrifice, it was his gracious generosity that makes us a part of his family, his church. You see, God's sacrifice, God's generosity is unsurpassed. It's impossible for us to comprehend just how much that he's given to us. In Genesis 1 and 2, we have the picture of God creating everything and he places man and woman in the middle to care for it, to enjoy it. And when they sin, God provides a way for their forgiveness. Psalm 29, 11 says that the Lord gives strength and peace to his people. Proverbs 2 says that God gives wisdom and knowledge and understanding. In John 20, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and in Acts 2, God pours out upon his people generously. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. His generosity is for all. There's no better example of sacrifice and generosity in history than what's been done for us by Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.8, part of our reading says um, that for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And he goes on in chapter 9, verse 15 to say, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. We understand generosity and sacrifice through God. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that through generosity, our God shows just how much he loves us and that we should also take on the mind of Christ 
who took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Paul wraps up his thought by concluding with this in mind that that they are to shine like lights in the world, holding fast to this word of life shown in the generosity of Christ. And I want to take you back to those parables, the parables of of Jesus and the kingdom of God where sacrifice is is described. And we often look at the parables and we conclude that, that the message is for us to be generous. And yes, this is true, but we miss the full understanding of the parables and the kingdom of God if we stop there. In each of the parables, Jesus is painting a picture of the kingdom of God and the work that he has come to do for us in love and generosity. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus is the Good Samaritan who was the outcast, but he came to help one who was considered an enemy. Jesus comes down to us, even though we are enemies of God, and he reaches down and he restores us. In the prodigal son, we see the generosity of the father who celebrates the son coming home. And our heavenly father comes to us and he calls us his child, even though we've deserted him. In the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep, God is searching for those who are lost. He doesn't want anyone to be lost and he continues to seek after them, to reclaim them as his own. And one of the interesting ones is the parable of the hidden treasure where someone goes and sells all that they have so that they can, they can buy this, this one piece of land so they can have this priceless treasure. And we see a picture of Jesus who gave up everything. He sold everything. He gave up his place in heaven so that he might claim his special prize, his church. It's a picture of the great sacrifice of Jesus for you and me. By his death on the cross, he's purchased us. I hope you understand, start to see how generous our God is. And it doesn't just stop with the pages of Scripture. We are a place of generosity and sacrifice because God is here for us, being generous. The love shown by God in sacrifice and generosity, it comes to us today. God continues to pour out upon us his grace and his love as we gather together. As it says in Titus 3, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God's generosity is shown in the gift that we receive in baptism. It's poured out upon us richly, God is generous, and he doesn't stop there. God continues to come to us generously as we meet together to break bread at the table of our Lord that we'll do in just a bit. In Matthew 26, he says, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. God is generous, and it's shown through communion where it is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. God's sacrifice continues to flow to us. And when we begin to understand the depth of his generosity towards us, then we start to understand him better. And it's also how we see our role as a church of sacrificing through generosity. Cornerstone is a place of sacrifice and generosity because it's a place where God does that for us. 
we don't talk a lot about money around here. There's not a lot of sermons that talk about money, and some people have, are used to hearing more about money from the pulpit. And oftentimes we get asked, how can we make our budget if we don't talk about it more? And they might even say, well, why, is, why are God's people so generous here, even though we don't talk about it? I believe it's because when we understand the sacrifice and how generous our God is, we can't help but respond to be like our Father. And maybe the truth is we do talk about sacrifice and generosity every week because we talk about God and what he's done for us. I've told this story a few times, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but one of the things that happened at Christmas time a long time ago when, when Beth and I were getting ready for, for Christmas, um, we like to put gifts in the stockings for the kids throughout the Christmas season. And leading up to Christmas, they can go check their stockings and see if there's anything in there. Well, at one point, my son came to me and said, Dad, did you check your stocking? I'm like, no. So I go and check the stocking, and he had put in some he'd put some salt and pepper shakers that he had found in the kitchen and put it in the, in the stocking. He wanted to give me something. He, he wanted to get in on the generosity of what was going on in the family. And I think that's a picture of, of how God wants us to be. And he didn't take something that was his. He didn't go buy something. He actually grabbed something that was already around the house. What God has given to us, it's, it's not ours. It's his. It's all his. And he wants us to model that same kind of generosity. First of all, in that, that we want to, to model what our Father has done for us, to show the, the generosity. We as children of God have been given so much, like forgiveness, God's own Son. He's given us eternity. But secondly, I think that he wants us to give to other brothers and sisters so that they might be welcomed into the family so that others might know the goodness of God. Through our generosity, we can be about the kingdom work. We might think it's about us and our generosity, but it's not. It's about him. You see, the kingdom of God is shown through sacrifice and generosity. The sacrifice and generosity of our God who comes to us every time we gather together as his people through his word. And we receive that word of God and the sacraments where he is giving generously for our benefit, for our forgiveness, for our eternal life. And God's character is revealed in generous sacrificial giving as we model that, what our Father has shown to us. It's here in the family of God that you'll find sacrifice and generosity. And as we move forward together as a congregation, may it be true of us at Cornerstone, and may it be true in your life. Amen.